0: she is the co-host she is the production manager she is the coordinator she is all of that and i get to fish for a living (laughs) it's so awesome uh tom thanks for sitting down with us man tom hungerford texas parks and wildlife fisheries biologist i've known you a few years now i think i first met you at uh the one of the first ttbc's like seven eight nine years ago something like that yeah And uh, I think Trait...
1: uh, i got to get my drink. One sec.
0: Oh, she's got to get a drink. Um, See, this kind of thing on this podcast is cool because anything goes. Nothing's Nothing's real formal, nothing's straight up or anything like that. There's no live audience, so we're just absolutely chilling. One day. Yeah. Um, So you're technically on the clock right now. I mean, it's a Friday afternoon, just like you said. You drove your personal vehicle here, um, but you're technically on the clock. We're talking fishing, fisheries. Yep yeah and i was trying to think of when i first met you that i
2: recall it was a ttbc that was at conroe yes and i actually was i was in charge of all the fish care for that one because mm-hmm. todd driscoll our normal guy was a fishing a weekend series championship or something at.
0: <laughs> you guys are all fish heads. he he was in
2: in tennessee somewhere what's that like uh around nashville uh anyway yeah it, it'll come to me but yeah. So he was gone, so I had to take over, and then I actually went down early. I had a friend from college who lives on Conroe, and so I met him, and we went fishing, and you actually pulled up and fished, like, right next to us. Oh, nice. And I think I talked to you then for a second, but then I think later on in the event, I was like, oh, yeah, hey, that
1: was us over there. You're getting such bad. I'm sorry. And now that i moved them to try to get more, like, facial reactions, Mm -hmm. it's totally messed up my lighting. Not that it's the best, but. You know, sorry. Where do I
0: drop my complaint to the production manager?
1: All right, now we can start again. My bad, guys.
0: All right, Mr. Tom Hungerford, thank you for sitting down with us. We're hanging out here. You're officially on the clock because you uh, are headquartered just down the creek here from our house in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, you are a fisheries biologist uh, in this region here, and uh, you work for Texas Parks and Wildlife and in my opinion uh growing up in california now living in texas fishing all over the country there is no better organization funded state funded organization than texas parks and wildlife and 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 you know just the programs that you uh that you guys run maintain uh obviously they equal giant bass and that's some stuff we want to talk about today um But you're officially on the clock right now. Your office is like, what, 30, 45 minutes from here? Yeah,
2: I think it's maybe 30 miles. Yeah. Yeah, it takes
0: about, I don't know, 40 minutes or so
2: with traffic and construction. Yeah. It never ends around here.
1: Based on Lake Worth, right?
2: Yeah, our office is on an old fish hatchery right below the dam at Lake Worth. Um, Our district is Dallas, Denton, Rockwall, Mm -hmm. and Tarrant counties. So we only have four counties, but we have... Well, it used to be ten. One of the lakes closed, so I guess now we have nine public reservoirs over a thousand acres in those four counties, plus about one hundred and fifty city park lakes. Wow, that we you know put trout and catfish and and some sport fish management in them as well.
0: And in the big state of Texas, how many different districts are there? I mean, that's one district here in DFW. Yeah,
2: there are fourteen statewide. There were fifteen. There were two district offices out of Tyler, Uh and when uh, there was some retirements over there. They actually merged the Tyler North and the Tyler South office into just one gotcha. big Tyler office but they have they have one district leader but then two assistant biologists and four technicians so other than being short one additional biologist they're
0: they're the same number of staff yeah
2: but they they have a big area and uh, they have a lot of really good lakes. Obviously, so, like, they have a
0: fork. Yeah, the people tuning in, like, they see uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife, Tom Hungerford. They're like, okay, it's just another dude that wears, you know, a, a Parks and Rec, you know, shirt or hat, drives around in a green truck with white letters on it. And most people don't realize, like, you guys have an extremely important job when it comes to you guys, the fishermen, and, uh, you know, you guys practically ensure. that that we have a future in bass fishing down down the road and again me being from california i know how i i know what mismanagement you know looks like and leads to water levels you know uh, conditions and and things like that um but for you you've been um you've been working there at that office for how many years now 20 20 years wow
2: yeah i just got my plaque in austin uh the 1st of november which uh, twenty years was July? So,
0: twenty years. That's uh, and okay. So, <laughs> not to get too personal, but like, how is how is your paycheck funded?
3: <laughs>
0: it, it. So I know the answer to that, but it's, it's through licensed dollars. And I was just gonna say for all the elite series fishermen that come to our great state of Texas and buy a fishing license. They pay you. They pay your sal- salary. Yes.
1: So unlike California, who charges y'all a luxury tax on your boat, and that tax is supposed to help your fisheries, and that Texas actually moves that money to you guys to our benefit.
2: Yes, and and that that's I, I, I'm not sure everybody understands mm-hmm. how we are funded. Right. Like, I, I think there's a misconception that yeah. a lot of people think I'm a taxpayer. Right. I pay your salary. Right. If you're a taxpayer, you pay some A lot of taxes to the state that go to other programs. They don't come to parks and wildlife per se, but license dollars plus the uh, the sport fish restoration taxes that are on fishing equipment that goes to Washington D.C. and then D.C. splits it up back to the states in a tiered system based on how much how many licenses they sell. Which obviously Texas, California, Florida, right? I think Minnesota and maybe New York are on that highest tier. Wow. You know, we we get a lot of that money back also, but we have to have state funds to match the federal funds. Oh wow! Okay. So it's 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 not if there's more than they, more than we raise,
0: They we have to have a dollar for dollar match. Okay, gotcha. So I mean, yeah, you guys are I mean absolutely funded, and for good reason too. Because I mean, how many different programs do you guys currently have going? Would you say? Um, for let's just say largemouth bass uh, maintenance and 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 uh, uh, longevity and 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 you know things like that. I mean uh, ov- the obvious one uh, is the Texas Share Lunker program, which is what
2: That so the Share Lunker program is uh, now it's sponsored by Toyota mm-hmm. and uh, they they sponsor that and then so if an angler catches it, the program changed about it's four years ago now i was part of the i'm on the actual committee that reviews the uh entries and there's several biologists and technicians from our different district offices all over the state but they uh if you catch a fish over eight pounds or 24 inches so if you're out and you don't have a scale but you have a a rigid measuring board Mm -hmm. you can put it on the scale closed mouth pinch the tail uh, where you can see the whole fish on the board with its mouth closed up against the board. Yep, um, It's eligible for, There's, I think there's four classifications, and each entry into each classification gets you in a drawing for, I think it's $5,000 Bass Pro I didn't gift even, card. Which, I didn't even
0: yeah. I didn't know that all these sponsors were involved. Like yeah. that. That's
1: insane. So, the, so cr- does Toyota, they actually give you guys money that you can use to, like, help? the the program like yes that goes yeah. towards your research and all of that yeah
2: they, i i can't i don't know exactly how much toyota gives us but the the pickup vehicle so there's sorry let me back up there there's the tiers where if you catch one under uh over eight pounds you can get uh you you submit pictures right we approve it acknowledge it. yeah and then you're in the drawing for for that gift card level then person releases that fish. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and so eight, eight pounders right? if, if you catch one over thirteen, okay. we we will come pick it up if it's in a certain window. And that window is January 1st through the end of March, mm-hmm. which essentially is the most narrow spawning window. Yeah. We we don't want it in July because it's already spawned, hot. it's hot, hot, it's hard on fish, it's hard on us, everything. So if it's caught within that window, you can call. And
0: donate that fish to us we'll take it to the hatchery in athens and no matter where you're at in the state of texas like you said you got 14 different districts you know within a a couple hours drive or or less and uh, you know a representative like yourself a guy like yourself probably geeks out over that and just like, oh, dude, someone just caught a 14-pounder OH IV or yeah. down there in Toledo Bend. Like, I'll be there in an hour, and you guys go and pick this fish up.
2: Yeah, like that that fish, that, that 16-pounder caught last year at Eagle Mountain Yeah, was on a Sunday. I had just finished lunch uh-huh. at Babe's uh-huh. eating some chicken, <laughs> chicken. Uh-huh. after church, and I get the call, and I looked down at my phone. I was like, well, I know where this is going. So, wow. But then, yeah, he's like, yeah, it's at Eagle Mountain. So I ran to my office... Put a tank in the back of one of our trucks, and because I could a get there. So the the fish the, the official truck that comes from Athens is a Tundra. Yeah, we it's we all own, wrapped. It's all nice. yeah. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's it looks cool. Yeah. But the uh, we use just one of our state pickups, which it's sort of an odd story. But the the the, the owner of Gulf States Toyota mm-hmm. Distributorship mm-hmm. is a former commissioner for Parks and Wildlife, and I guess there 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 was some worry about a conflict of interest oh, so yeah. we don't actually have any toyotas, toyotas in our fleet because right. you didn't want it to look right fishy Shady. or anything like sure. that so it, it, makes it, and it makes sense to me too but yeah.
1: especially being with government and right
2: yeah it, you'd be amazed at some of the rules we have to follow I, when it I comes bet. to purchasing and just oh. things that are, you're like uh, yeah okay i don't this doesn't make sense but don't try to make it make sense just go just with do it, it. But, yeah you know uh but so, yeah so i, I threw a tr- a tank in my truck went and got to the lake to pick up the fish and i was able to get to it about an hour before the athens folks which athens is only two hours away so it's not like it's from athens to falcon or the somewhere l- really far away the lunker bunker i've been yeah. there before yeah. yeah
0: it's about it's about a three and a half four hour drive from where we sit right now but out there in athens you know they've had tournaments on Lake just just south of lake fork They've had MLF terms and stuff on Athens and things, but yeah, you guys call it the Lunker Bunker, where literally it's like a yep. 13, 14, 15 teener size fish haven where you guys do what with them. So they they uh, after the angler donates them to
2: us, we'll bring them into the hatchery and then they will be paired. It, so if anyone is an unfamiliar, those every one of those 13 plus pounders is a female. So yeah, right, they're right. always <laughs> the ladies. Yeah. We, and l- we so,
1: like to eat. We like to get big. I can't help that.
2: I mean, if, if you think about it evolutionarily, it makes a lot of sense because <laughs> yes. uh, 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 they they're laying, doing the work, tens of thousands of eggs, so that that takes up a lot of room. So yeah. therefore, they just get bigger. Yeah. than yeah. the males. Yeah. So yeah.
0: that's a good point.
2: But so we we pair those those females up with actually their males that have now descended from previous share lunkers. <laughs> so it's it's um. I guess in a quick sense it, we're we're magnifying those trophy genetics. Those
0: yeah, those genes, right? Yeah.
2: And it, it's just like your your rancher or, or you know who's somebody who's raising horses or cattle, right? You're you're constantly looking for that that genetic advantage. Wow. That's going to produce
0: a superior offspring. So that's what we're doing but with fish. It's like those big deer guys down in South Texas, those high fence yes. deers where they got all these crazy Tines and yeah, drop tines. They, I don't know. I'm not a deer guy. They, they got it's right here. Yeah,
2: strengthen their neck to hold their head up. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So right. you guys
0: are doing this with largemouth bass. Yeah. Yeah. Teen yeah. And, and what's
2: really cool is just this last year, every so we used to raise Florida largemouth bass. Just it's genetically, uh, it's a it's a variation of a You know, you you know. Yeah. Most people watching this know. Yeah. But we now use instead of just florida bass every fish that our hatchery produces even if it's not part of the Share lunker program they are they're all from that lineage wow. so even even the little fingerling largemouth bass we're stocking are now and we call them Lone Star bass. They, Lone Star we had bass. like a, a, a awesome. name,
0: like a naming contest within
2: the department to come up with something cool and catchy. So yeah, yeah. Are but,
3: they
0: like? I mean, like so as fingerlings. I mean, you see these Lone Star bass. Are, are can you tell they're just like broader or more colorful they, or more aggressive? Sure, they have
2: they have they nasty little things. They, they look. So that you have genotype and phenotype, uh-huh. right? The genotype is like the the, the genetics of it. The okay. phenotype is the appearance. Okay, gotcha. Of those genetics, and those fish actually, their stripe is different. They just wow. look. You can just and and I, I was part of that Sri research project we did at Marine Creek, mm-hmm. and we tagged all those fish so we could come back and know if that was one we stocked or not. Right, and there were a couple that. We didn't detect a tag, but we would clip a fin on any that we were suspect. And two of them came back just from my eyes. I was like, that looks like this one should have had a tag. And I wrote that on the data sheet. And sure enough, when we got the genetics results back, they're like, yeah, that one was one. Pheno, or what do you call it? Yes, pheno. Pheno. PH. PH, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it's so that's just the outward appearance. But they, you know, the, the, the watermelon heads, yeah. you know, they just have that cool stripe up from the jaw going yeah. up towards the eye.
0: Wow! So go back to the lunker bunker. Here we are, in, in uh, at Lake a- Athens, you know the guy catches a sixteen pound or fifteen pound or whatever. You bring them into the lunker lunker bunker. You spawn these fish. Do you spawn them multiple times? Usually they'll. I mean they they will try. Um, in one year.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean they'll 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 they won't typically lay all their eggs at once. Okay. So they they may, it may be over a little bit of a period of time, but they they put them in these long raceways. Um, inside the, the building, yep, and there there's some dividers in between the the there's different sh- sections of the raceway.
1: What's the uh, survival rate of those fish that are submitted? Is it like that a, are donated, like yeah. the thirteen pluses mm-hmm.
2: last year, every one of
0: them hundred percent. Yes, it, it, that's it, awesome.
2: Obviously, there are years we we lose some. It's it's a stressful sure uh, deal, but that's another reason, the an advantage of using. That, that spawning window is the water temperatures are a lot cooler. And those fish, their their metabolism is directly related to the temperature of the water.
3: Okay. So
0: the cooler the water, the
2: slower their metabolism, mm-hmm. the, the less stressful it is on the fish.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah, that is very interesting. I just thought about how some of our smallmouth turn, and, and, you know, if we don't, I'm sure you play with a lot of smallmouth with like grapevine and, and what Belton and things yep. like that. Um, But some of those, and I think you have been up, have you been up to new york and oh, done yeah. that smallmouth yeah I, I i love that's my
2: if i can get away to fish i yeah. go up north and fish for smallmouth what
0: you just said previously just kind of i thought about how we hold these smallmouth tournaments in the dead you know heat of the summer and and uh you know unfortunately our the m- mortality rate up there on those big giant seven eight nine ten twelve year old smallmouth i mean it's it, it it gets to them it really doesn't it's it's really sad sad to hear that but could you imagine if, like New York or Minnesota, had the, that same program we have here in Texas? I mean, just like they're able to put those fun those funds and and um, and and source you know resources into you know saving fish and and developing the bigger and better smallmouth.
1: What um outside of Texas, what other DNR or Parks and Wildlife puts the next best effort in? Would you say?
2: Um, th- there's, there's several that, like, if you get into this natural resource management, like, that are on your short list of where you would like to work, right. and, and, you know, M- Minnesota has a good one. That's
1: what I was thinking, like Minnesota then. Yeah,
2: they, I mean, it's the land of 10,000 lakes. So right, they have it, to, they're it, kind of forced to. It, it, I actually have a, a, a colleague, or a buddy from undergrad that is a biologist in Minnesota. I have one from graduate school that works in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and... Uh, You know they're it's just a different animal. Like I'm, I grew up in Kansas, so I'm I I don't know a lot about coasts and things. So I I I was always a warm water fisheries guy, and
0: And your hoodie says inland fisheries, right? Yeah. So we we
2: have inland and coastal fisheries divisions in the agency. So that's uh, we have two fisheries divisions, and they they do what we do, but in the bay systems along the coast. So um, and they we have the same title functionally like i'm a natural resource specialist for there's a natural resource specialist for that works in the coastal fisheries division that gotcha. has a similar job to mine obviously it's a little different because you know just the salt water versus fresh and the species involved and that kind of thing but it's gotcha yeah it's it's um it this is one of the top three agencies in the country by far wow. and and, and you know, no one really gets into this for the salary because it doesn't pay all that much. Right. But, Buy more fishing lights, you know. This guy. It's it, well, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, there's a cap. Yeah, and and it's it's a uh, you know appropriated money from right. state legislature. Right. So right. we oftentimes we have more money than they than they give us the authority to spend. <sighs> to spend, right? Because we have to have a balanced budget and all that kind of stuff. So wow. it it it's always <laughs> those things are. Those are the, the hardest parts of this job. The fish are the easy part. It's, yeah. it's the politics. It's the... Because right.
0: the, the, you're connected to the state. And the, and state. the con- yeah.
2: constituents. I mean, you know, I work for... If you buy a license, I work for you. Yeah. I buy a license. Yeah. I don't even get a discount on a license. Wow. I pay the How same price for a license right. as anybody who doesn't work for us. How about that? So yeah. I, I'm I'm one of my own constituents. And uh, so I, obviously, I'm, I'm out there motivated to make fishing better. Yep. Yeah. Cause I want fishing to be better. Sure. Cause I fish. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's uh, it's definitely in all our best interest. And most most of us are pretty hardcore. Even off the clock, we, yeah, we would be out fishing oh, dude, or on you, the water. You text me whatever. pictures
0: all the time in the springtime. Like you have that pond in the back there, just outside your office, where these big giant ones are spawning and things. Yeah. Um, speaking of you guys fishing, um, uh, let's talk about the that whole, you know to live well or not to live well you know the catch from the day like okay i see on instagram and things where guys double fist five six seven eight pounders whatever it is or those big small mouth you know twin sixes and you can tell the eyes are starting to lose coloration the fins are starting to get real limp just for you know just for a photo I, um babe, and not only that you do that i do i do I, but i'm i
1: you're a live weller to take photos, guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I make sure they're they're healthy. I mean, I'm always checking on, checking on every hour or so when okay. I do that type of thing. But um, and not only for the Instagram guy, but like for the every fish counts versus a, a five fish limit thing. I mean, are you? I mean, do you okay on the live well thing? I mean, I guess it's it it's it depends, right?
1: Yeah. Are you okay with like me? I think people should take fish home and eat them.
0: Yeah. Oh, no doubt.
2: The, the the, regulations that we recommend on a lake, uh, oftentimes we've done such a good job, and I say we as in the, the just fishing community. Right. Have done such a good job of, of promoting catch and release mm-hmm. that it it can lead to some Population issues. Overcrowding. Yeah. And stunning of growth and things like that. So especially lakes that have slot length limits. Uh-huh. We rarely get much harvest, especially below the slot, uh-huh. and that's really the the reason it's there, is because we've identified there's too many mouths for the amount of resources available. Are you seeing so, that
1: on fork at all? Like at least on the the ten pounder plus side, like less of those.
2: I don't. So I don't. I don't work fork for that one that yeah. much. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm vaguely familiar with. Most of our data too is from electrofishing and it is sure. biased towards fish probably 18 inches okay. and less. Is so it, and we also,
0: bi- okay, I'm sorry, not biased, but the electroshocking samples are all what, like eight feet or less as well. So there's a certain kind of population of fish that may never be a part of those electroshocking yeah. studies, well, I so, guess. So when I say biased, I mean like statistically biased. Okay,
2: gotcha. So the. They they underrepresent that just the the act of electrofishing underrepresents larger fish. Gotcha. Okay. And and now granted there are fewer larger fish out there, right. so they, they're in a smaller uh, relative abundance in the lake anyway. But okay, uh, that there's a it's a surface area to volume ratio. If you think about those ten pounders, they have a lot of volume mm-hmm. and surface area because they they're girthy, you know. Those they actually can feel the current, wow, a little bit faster, uh-huh. and therefore stay out of the way. Wow, that's why I say that their our electrofishing surveys are great at getting fourteen to eighteen inch bass. Right. Well, ten to eighteen inch bass, really, but fourteen being the statewide length limit. So that's kind of where we start. Interesting. Looking at you know keeping track of. Uh, number of bass we catch over 14 inches out of a lake. Mm -hmm. So that
1: makes sense why the share lunker program is so important for you guys, because you're not able to get really that sample size you need. Yes. With your other methods.
2: Right. And, and one other method we use is called a creel survey, which if you've ever seen like a river runs through it, the the wicker basket, the anglers put trout in that's called a creel Mm -hmm. C R E E L. Mm -hmm. So, that is a creel survey where we actually go out on the lake and interview anglers while they're fishing and ask them, you know, have, have, what have you caught today? What have you harvested
0: today? We'll, we'll measure their fish sometimes if they've got them, whatever. So A lot of the viewers and listeners, they actually, they've encountered that. I mean, if you fished in Texas, actually all over the country, I mean, they do those creel surveys mm-hmm. all the time. I think most people think when they see someone in a, in a polo and a hat come up with a clipboard, they think they're going to check your fishing license. But really, you guys want the data.
2: Right, because that's I mean, especially those fish over, uh, you know, a particular size. We 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 count on the anglers to give us that information because we we just don't catch them as much. Right. So they're they're going to be way more effective at catching them than we are with our electricity. Right, but um, you know, and and one of the cool things that we've just started, it's it's. On several lakes around the state, I don't even remember which all ones it is, but we added that question to our creel survey we're actually doing on Lake Ray Hubbard right now. And we're looking at, we're noting whether someone's using forward-facing sonar. Hmm. Just because there there's this idea that, you know, it's, it's going to ruin some fisheries, which I anytime actually- there's new technology... That that stuff is always like when GPS came out, everybody was worried. Like sure, now I don't, you know, I'm not lining up with that water tower and that high high pole.
0: Or some of these kids that are taking these career surveys are like interns. A lot of them are like really young. I mean, some of them are like young girls that uh, come up and they they seem like they're they're very green in the field, you know. But can you imagine like a very green uh you know intern coming up uh okay yeah you caught a seven and an eight did you catch it on forward-facing sonar and in her her mind she's thinking what is that yeah so
1: someone (laughs) had sent in a question for you and they and that was sort of their question they didn't say forward-facing they just said sonar pinging but does that affect the mood of a fish have what you've guys seen so far.
2: So actually there's a really cool study that's getting, it's, it's, I think it's finished. They're getting ready to start publishing that Todd Driscoll did oh, cool. on, on Toledo bend uh-huh. where they actually had radio telemetry tags in a bunch of bass up to eight pounds. And they were all like what 16 inches and up. So they're all like keeper size fish, Good like ones. ones that, you know, tournament, a, a tournament angler yep. was, would be after. Yep and then so they would use the the radio tag to find the fish and then they would observe that fish on forward facing sonar wow and and see if 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 it reacted to the boat and all of that and so the the results aren't completely done but it, it's it's like you'd expect like with humans i mean everybody does something a little different, different. everybody has a different personality sure. so did so do individual bass
0: and with that radio telemetry uh, yeah how accurate is that I mean you could see the fish real-time moving or so it, it's a, it's an audio signal that's audio so
2: yeah okay. it's it's got a. they would surgically implant a transmitter inside, in, inside the, the cavity of the fish and then but they can get an idea of where it is, right. and then they would locate it on forward-facing sonar.
0: Wow. So wow. It, it's that...
2: it's pretty cool. And and there was actually fish also in Lake Fork. Yeah. So we've got... There, there will be coming out probably in the next year. It, it'll be a scientific uh, publication like in a, a fisheries research S- journal.
0: Speaking of that, I've always fantasized about uh, kind of reading or seeing some type of study about how far bass swim how far do bass swim it it can vary a lot have and you been involved with studies that so
2: i todd i was just talking to yep and he there he had he has fish in toledo bend and uh, I believe it giant was, lake for those who don't it's one hundred and eighty five thousand <laughs> acres he, like yeah he and from one end to the other is it 70 miles it's I mean, it's really ridiculous. long. Yeah. It's on the Sabine River, boundary between Louisiana and Texas, and he had fish that I think it moved like six miles, like pretty quick
1: to spawn or just just to just move. Period.
2: But and that, that's what Toledo Bend has so much, stuff. It's so man. massive that that the the habitat is, it's, it's like a needle in a stack of needles because yeah. it all looks good. Right. Same, yeah, and then. It's loaded with forage, so there's food everywhere, there's habitat everywhere. Those fish don't don't really have to move a lot. Yeah. But and sometimes they would. Six miles.
1: And you wonder why. Huh? Yeah.
2: I mean, and and I don't know that we can ever really design a study to figure out See, the motivation ask of that fish. The motivation okay. Of right. Why it's going there. Yeah. Because especially in that lake, there's food everywhere. Everywhere. There's habitat everywhere. This spot is just as good as that spot. Right. Why it went from here to there. Don't don't know that we will ever
0: know. Are there any images that you could Google like a that would provide like a, a map of a lake and just have like just the tracks, just like you'd see on GPS, the tracks of like fish swimming? Um, I haven't Googled it. I mean I'd would, I would love
3: to I see. I would just, imagine
2: yeah, that it is. Yeah.
0: And and I'm sure
2: so what the the way that study worked is they would go find fish every two weeks. Two weeks. So they they weren't like all day every it day wasn't, after okay. a fish. It wasn't but, like a
0: trail on GPS, right?
2: But, but they they would have two week connecting interval the, connecting the dots, points, right? And then yeah, you could kind of follow where it went. And, wow. And uh, you know, so not necessarily real time, but it's it's about as feasible as it gets because to sit there and follow that one non-stop for a couple of days would be pretty uh, difficult. On
1: these tournament lakes, especially the ones that have all these high school tournaments and stuff, are you guys seeing a true impact like in a negative way on the fish populations in your research and and stuff? Like say a Louisville or what, you know.
2: You know, Louisville is just... Louisville. Louisville is Louisville. It's a complex lake that doesn't have a ton of habitat and yeah. the water level fluctuates so much that it just
0: it's a difficult nut to crack for sure the water, water level management, dic- the water level dict- dictates whether you're gonna catch a fish or not I mean if it's in the bushes you're catching them if it's not you are not catching them
1: so yeah. what so what about on the other lakes though do you feel like um, we're overfishing these when it comes to tournament fishing
2: it's entirely possible I mean the fishing pressure mm-hmm. is definitely a thing higher and those fish they they feel it yeah
1: that when you say they feel it though does it affect their longevity or is it just makes it harder to catch a fish? i think
2: it affects catchability yeah. more than it, it biologically it's not,
1: not harming deal.
2: the fish it's just maybe altering their behavior okay. their feed i don't even know feeding is the right
1: I don't you think it
2: is because they're still going to chase a shad or whatever. Yeah, but you they hear may not. like
1: all these people complaining on the TVA system right now because yeah. they have high school tournaments 24-7 yeah. and then the BFLs and us and the Opens, and they're saying, you know, the fishing's terrible. But it's like you're saying probably not that these fish are dying, more so that they're just not participating. What's
0: interesting yeah. right now, Tom, is what I'm hearing on tour is like whether you have... You know, Livescope Active Target. Uh, you know, I've got Mega Live, works great. You know, and all of them have these different little frequencies that are that are pinging forward. What I'm hearing on tour right now, especially later in the year, on some of these lakes like Chickamauga, Tennessee River, like most of these pros are saying, as soon as they drop the trolling motor in the water and that that ping starts happening, like the fish start running away. So when you say the fish are, you know, it affects the way the fish behave and bite. You look at a senko you know senko worked for three four five years maybe even a full decade and then all of a sudden it starts petering off fish are getting used to it the a rig same thing fish are getting used to it and now these anglers are claiming that the ping and the frequency of this sonar that's pinging them is pushing them off spots and um i think that's interesting you know fishermen always complain about something or someone or or you know something out there if they're not, if they're more not catching thirty pounds or whatever, but I, I believe that's a real thing. I mean, they run from things because, let's face it, they're trying to survive, right? Yeah, yeah, I and mean, it's it's such
2: still a new technology mm-hmm. that it's, I don't know that we'll
0: we'll have a, a good grasp of that for a while. How many uh, how many boats in the Texas Parks and Wildlife fleet are equipped with forward facing sonar for various studies? I f- do you know. I think I know of like three or four. Yeah, but that's Todd. You know Todd driscoll has got yeah got one on there. And then, he wrote it off. He's like, hey, we got to get a new uh, new mega live. <laughs> it was it was part of the with a twelve uh, inch screen. No, think, get the sixteen inch screen. I think it's a twelve. I yeah. don't
2: think it's. <laughs> yeah. I think they they didn't splurge on the sixteen. Yeah, but no, it there's several, and they um we we don't my boats we don't have super fancy electronics because we just pretty much need to know how deep it is after years after data yeah yeah, whatever yeah sorry
1: well i still kind of had i wasn't done with my previous question you know uh so you were talking about so all the pressure makes the catchability you know harder not necessarily killing the fish um, so if you're looking at an MLF style, every fish counts event versus like an elite five fish in your live well, as someone who manages that lake, what would you prefer to see? Is there a preference? Does it matter?
2: Uh, not, not really. I mean, it's the, 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 the every fish counts thing is, uh, you're going to end up with lower mortality just because you're not holding fish. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, and, and even you do it at the right time of the year. Which is why I, mean, I know you're concerned about losing some big smallmouth. Mm-hmm. But if you were to have a southern largemouth tournament at that same time of year, you might as well just cook them as soon as you get yeah. to the weigh-in because yeah. they're. Yeah, I mean, I I know it's hard on those smallmouth. But yeah. if you tried to do something in the south, does
1: it does that bother you as a fisheries biologist to see that to see mortality in a, a fishing event?
2: Not overly. I mean. It, like I said, there's so little catch and release that right. the, the population can certainly withstand some some harvest, whether that be through, you know, an angler going out to, to eat the fish. I mean, if the fish die, obviously they're they're not out there. So whether whether they got eaten or they just died, right. It it doesn't biologically make a difference in terms of the, the population dynamics. But the the thing is, they... Uh,
1: and you and we have, like, when we buy our license, we're told, okay, you can have five fish a day. Yeah. So even if we're a tournament angler, we still bought our license. So y'all expect people who buy license or have plans that that's why there's a krill limit to take yes. five home, right? Yeah,
2: and, and that's the thing. It's like, I know some people get worried about uh, upset i guess not worried but upset about some some bass harvest and i i mean i'm i kind of uh, it hurts a little just because oh, yeah you know if you take a those fish your, out some at, of those are your babies literally yeah and if you take a fish out at two pounds it's never going to be six yeah so you know you you do have that going on but at the same time that angler bought their license they're allowed five over 14 a day and if they keep them that that you know that regulation is in place and it's surely going to withstand
0: that right. so it's not you a fly that's bothering you this is and our it, first fly ever yeah. yeah
1: during the oh, winter too like when it's cold this is uh
0: get them get <laughs>
1: chris hates flies we're i s- can't
0: s- stand flies
1: need the salt shooter
2: uh, uh, i have one of those it's so much fun they're nice it's huh awesome. we have lots yeah um, <laughs> fly, yeah, that totally. damn fly. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, I had a good one for you too. Uh, lost my train of thought. Anyway,
1: though. I'm, I'm, I've, and so I was told one time, and and the guy actually runs the MLF conservation fisheries or whatever. Now Stephen yeah. Barton, mm-hmm. I think that's his last name. We we at one point were friends. I. I would hope we're still cool now. Who knows? But (laughs) he had explained to me that um, when he's dealing with the lake or ponds or whatever, that that body of water can only hold, like, let's say it's the way it is. It's a hundred pound bass lake. And he's like, so you could have a hundred one pounders or you can have 10, 10 pounders. Is that?
2: Yes. It's called carrying capacity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a carrying capacity. It's the same in terrestrial settings. So deer managers. Right. Cattle managers, everything. Like there, there's so much biomass that any one unit will sustain. sustain.
1: Yeah. So if I've got 101 pounders and I ate 50 of those, then my, those one, the 50 left will become two pounders, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe.
2: May, maybe not entirely empirically double their uh, weight or whatever. Right. But yes, it's
1: to an extent. Right. Yes. And that's,
2: that's what I, earlier when I was talking about a slot length limit, there's a lower end of the slot. That's where the majority of the population is, right? Which those are the ones we're trying to thin out to then free up those resources for the ones that remain, so they can grow faster, right? To get on the other side,
1: right? Okay. So right. it's
2: it's yes, the carrying capacity is, that's
0: that's for sure, a thing. Yeah, cool. and it's not probably like an exact science because it always depends on the forage and the uh, the climate and things like that, but. There's a lot to be said about that because there's a lot of you know there are a lot of landowners around here that want to have a pond that's got 10 pounders in it there's 10 pounders go over in this five acre pond or whatever and they're all around the texas area john b actually is dabbling with some uh you know with some f1s and things lunkers same thing f1s f2s or whatever whatever they call them but there's a lot of balance there. There's a lot of care. I mean, if you think about a goldfish, just keeping a simple goldfish alive in a single tank is. I mean, that's hard enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're constantly dealing with the balance of of things, and and uh, I mean, you guys get to do it on a giant scale in the whole state of state of Texas. I mean, that's 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 amazing to me.
1: Uh, do y'all play around with like I don't know if this is called ecology or whatever, but like the vegetation and stuff in in these bodies of water?
2: Yeah, habitat. Yeah. Yeah, we. I'm obviously, as we talked about earlier, I have the most urban district. district in the state. Yeah, with there's probably seven million people in the four counties that that I manage, and essentially every one of our reservoirs is for municipal water supply. So, right, the one thing that we could use to make things better is stable water, and I have we have zero control over that. You don't, yeah, and yeah. and never will. And that's, I mean, it's. Is that just because but...
1: of how it gets sucked out, or do we do y'all kill it off, or, or someone kill no, it so, off? Or... No,
2: you're talking about the vegetation. Mm-hmm. No, so the it, it's like uh, they the plants like sta- stability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the more that which is why if you go in East Texas, they get more rainfall, they have more stable water levels, therefore they have more aquatic vegetation, mm-hmm. all of that. So and, and if you go west. Those lakes they I mean, fall forty feet, thirty feet. I yeah. mean, just but what's cool about but they the, get grass. What's cool about those lakes is they have these these drought cycles where a lake may be dry for ten years. You get all that terrestrial really? vegetation mm-hmm. growing up on the bottom of a dry lake bed and then you catch ten feet of water mm-hmm. and then you flood it. And then you have
0: like everyone's. This you get new thirty lake. pounds. You get thirty pounds. Yeah. He gets thirty pounds. Yep. Yeah. And if you
2: look through history, Ivy. Yep. Uh, Falcon. Yep. Amistad. Mm-hmm. Always happens. All those choke, all those lakes like in South and Southwest Texas. Yep. They're they're they're, they're they can be awesome, and then they'll go through periods of time where they're it's they're true. struggling. Yep. Versus like a Rayburn, that's pretty
0: much awesome all the time. Stable. And right. You bring that up, so you know, and this is just a, a small group of anglers, but everyone knows, you know, that listens what Toledo Bend is. I mean, we've had Elite Series terms. There's two or three, three of them. People say, and, and let's talk about down cycles. I'd always deal with down cycles on the on the California Delta and Clear Lake growing up, but Toledo Bend is, in without no doubt, in a down cycle right now, right? I mean, numbers of well, I don't know about the numbers, but. Let's say habitat. I mean the grass. Just like you said. I mean, a guy was telling me just last week. I mean that there's zero grass in a in a giant lake like Toledo Bend. Mm-hmm. Will the, Will there ever be a case where like a lake does not rebound from that, or just does it just it will rebound? It just takes longer.
2: Yeah, I think it will. Uh huh. And and there there's no hydrilla. Okay. In it, but okay. they the, the locals call it hay grass. Hay it's, grass. It's, right. Uh, right. Um. Uh, Torpedo grass okay. is the common name, Okay. and that that stuff does really well in fluctuation, fluctuating
0: water levels. And that, like all the the Toledo Bend hammers, are all about that. Hey, they punch it, they yeah. flip in the middle, they frog, it. and it,
2: it'll it'll grow probably on the edge of three to four feet. Wow, it's like perfect. Which, yeah, I mean, yeah. there's not much else that's a an emergent vegetation that will grow in that deep of water. It's like thinking a, of cattails, sure, or, or rushes whatever sure wow but it it's it's hanging on uh as far as i know i and i know the grass has been coming back at rayburn yeah rayburn's down low right now too water levels i mean extremely it, low all of texas is we're we're, we're in a drought but has there's happened before
1: is there an average like life expectancy of a of a bass in texas like is there like like I know, like our little dog. Everyone tells us he's got like fourteen years if he plays his cards right. Is there that number you associate to fish in Texas if they don't get caught and?
2: Yeah, the, I mean it's it's a tough, it's it, that's a tough answer. But the the first year is the hardest. If the fish can get through the first year, they're pretty good for. Oh, well, you know, I would say probably eight to ten. mm Mm-hmm. And, and we've got some research that on our share lunkers those fish that are getting to 13 it's it's taken about 10 years
0: 10 years roughly a pound per year roughly yeah
2: and 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 the thing that's easier for us and is, is just more stable is is length length per year huh. because the the weight is dependent on so many factors forage that year right yeah and water level right and just.
0: So you're yeah you're more concerned with just the growth the length right. the growth right it,
2: plus that's what we we manage too right fourteen inches right we got to get them to fourteen sure. inches. right it's not a they weight. they may it's... they may be two pounds at fourteen inches they may be four pounds you know there's there's that that variability right that it just look at people right you know, there's yeah built someone who's different. five six might be you yeah. know one hundred and ten pounds or might be one hundred eighty pounds yeah. just everybody's different yeah. But the, the cool thing, of it, the fish length-weight relationship is a cubic function. Okay. So they 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 hit essentially an asymptotic length
0: where they're not going to get any longer. Uh-huh. Then they just start getting heavier and bigger, and bigger around. Right. Right. So all of the, well, okay, let's say the last 10, you know, share lunkers that you guys receive, which are 13-plus pounders, what's the average length on something like that? Is it? Twenty nine inches or so. Mm, it, it's probably a little shorter than shorter. that. Yeah. Okay, it's
2: shorter, yeah, 20, 27 shorter. 27, probably. Yeah. Like they, a ten pounder is pretty much always twenty four inches. Twenty four, yeah. And then there, there, I can't remember which fish it was. I, the I saw it at the Sherrillunker banquet this year. It was one of the ones caught. I think in. It was out. Uh, was that Lake Daniel? Like towards uh, Albany, it's like mm-hmm. close to. There's someone Aveline. there's
0: someone googling that right now. Like, yeah, uh, how far well, is that it? from my house? It had two.
2: Yeah. It had two over thirteen caught last year and donated. And the the mount the guy got had a closed mouth, which was those. If you've never seen a largemouth bass, huge largemouth bass mount with a closed mouth, he looks like a torpedo. They, they, they it's the coolest we, we mouth. I mean, it we stood it yeah. stood out, and I was like, dude, that's the coolest mount here. Yeah, minus it also, looks so cool yeah. with the mouth closed. Mm-hmm. Just because everyone you see is mouth open, open. and it's like, okay, yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. But that fish was like, I don't even know if it made twenty four inches. It was an absolute football. Yeah. Like it might have been 23 and a half or That's something. Crazy. It was and it was thirteen and it was like twenty three around. Wow. Yeah, it was. It, it was a. I think it was high thirteens, just a, just shy of fourteen. Wow. It was. It's basically like a that?
1: Saint Lawrence smallie. Yeah. But so what but is that? What is
0: that fish eating, in your opinion? Whatever it wants, yeah. whatever it can get I in mean, its mouth. In other words, okay, wh- okay. So let's say you you were trying to create a world record, and you had a pretty darn good head start, uh, sixteen pounder or whatever, and you wanted to get that thing to twenty two. What is it? Twenty two eight or whatever or however. It's big. 24, isn't twenty four. It? Twenty. Oh, I don't know. Is it twenty four? The world yes. record I thought yeah. It was. Yeah. Okay, if you're trying to build one of those, what are you feeding it? it probably. I mean, if you can get your hands on rainbow trout, rainbow trout, yeah,
2: but yeah. you know any number of things. Yeah, the in in what that fish in that lake would have been eating would would be probably the biggest gizzard gizzards. Gem. Yeah. It can, it, so we we have a, a metric that when we go out and do our electrofishing surveys, we're measuring our we're catching bass and then the forage feces for the bass. Nice so bluegill all the time, long bluegill. ear, yeah. red ear, whatever sunfish species not perch sunfish uh-huh and then the shad species so thread fins and gizzards and it's the commonly accepted whatever rule is a, a, a gizzard shad over seven inches uh-huh uh, that's about as big you get over seven in the in then in the mouth of the bass becomes Gape limited. They can't open their mouth sure. wide enough to eat that.
0: Sure. And so, how how many guys have you know seen bass with you know either what catfish, baby bass, big gizzards in their mouth stuck sideways? You see it on Instagram all the time. Guys are having to actually save the fish. Right, right. I
2: remember you guys came out to Marine Creek when we were doing that project, and there was a a crappie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sticking out of about an eight pounder's yeah. mouth. That was. Yeah. It was probably a ten inch crappie. Yep. Yeah. And it was. I don't know. It It, was
0: more than halfway
2: gone. Oh yeah, I think it was going to pass it, but it was still one of, like just seeing that stick out of its mouth. It's like wow, that is absolutely. I bet that crappie never
0: thought that that would happen. Hey, I made it! I made it! No, you didn't. That's impressive. (laughs) Yep. Um, What? uh, Okay, so I mean, you got you got younger kids. Once they start getting into into fishing and wanting to go to, you know, go catch a, you know, a share try to go catch a share lunker. Uh, what have you heard, kind of behind the scenes, as far as uh, like the next best lake to catch a share lunker? Go ahead and spill the beans. Just well, throw it out. I mean, right, or do you know? Right now,
2: I mean, you can't, I, you can't beat Ivy. Uh, oh, Ivy. And yeah. and I'm like I said, I'm on that committee that reviews the yeah. the entries. It was the Saturday after Thanksgiving, the 26th of November. I got caught a 14.96.
0: Just like three days ago. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. What are we doing filming so, podcasts? We gotta go fishing.
1: Oh well we have three days next week that are slated to be on OH.
0: There you go. You need to go. So it's already started. So and, it's like and, the and cold the, weather months. Yeah, to catch yeah. to catch one almost
2: fifteen in November. I, I got a feeling there's gonna Dude. be gonna be some, some that fireworks this spring.
0: And, and you're the
2: one who drives out there and picks them up? No, I so I, I'm on the response team That's if it's caught from one of the, the lakes in my district. In your district. On, okay, yeah. gotcha. On
1: and, HIV, do you know like when it starts to really fire off? Do you know what month it, that it's been in the past? Like, no,
2: I not off the top of my head. I could look at the—I mean, all of that data is on the—it's tex, Texas texassharelunker.com. Yeah, anyone can access it. And you can—it's it. okay. it's, it's all sortable. You can look at by lake— and you can, it has the catch dates, has the photos of most of them, and that kind of you, stuff.
0: You mentioned OHIV, and, and for those who those who don't know, uh, and I've never been there, but OHIV is just a lake out in the middle you, of west Texas. You've been there Texas. one
1: time, my birthday. It oh, was yeah, during we did. the drought,
0: It though. wasn't very good. It was not very the drought. good. I've like never that. been there. Yeah, it, the, it's just a, a, a wooded stick lake. I guess the, the water clarity is just, it's moderate clarity. Uh, rocky kind of limestone banks and things. But when it first started going off, let's say, what, five, six years ago, I would say, when guys really started throwing an A-rig out there, catching 40, 50, 60 pounds uh, for their five best out there, I remember you forwarded me, it was like the year after, whatever, you forwarded me a a, uh, a cell phone uh, picture of the parking lot after, and you saw lights, like trucks and trailers, from kansas missouri up you know way up from illinois and and just from all over the place and that's like that's that is amazing to me that they all come to the middle of texas you know chasing a share lunker bass yeah now how many how many of those share lunkers that you know for every share lunker that was caught registered given to texas parks and wildlife how many do you think were caught and just released it's hard to say i guess yeah it's hard to say
3: yeah.
0: I, I, cuz I mean, I you you want you want the, yeah you want the anglers to participate in the program but you also have to respect when, when some it, guys just want to let it go i
1: was always told when it originally started popping off again cuz it's not a secret oh was this good back in the day too before the whole drought mm-hmm. you know it, it like you said has its cycles um that when it first started happening it was very hush hush like the people who stayed with HIV OH and didn't give up on it, weren't calling you guys, weren't posting and... and
2: Oh, yeah. It. Yeah, imagine this. Some fishermen are very secretive. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know if he can imagine. <laughs> yeah. well, uh, there was <laughs> right. a, some huge drama.
1: You know, a U- the YouTuber out there that claims his... Fi- you know, he's the one who put OH on, on the map. Uh, I knew that there were things going on before then. Like, it, it, it was... On the download, discussed, you know, oh, is back. The a rig thing is back, you know, and and you can attest to that. I guess.
2: Oh yeah, I mean it's the the other thing talking about seeing vehicles from all over the right. country. We uh, we we Bassmaster magazine, you know, puts out the top hundred lakes or whatever, right. and they they'll always solicit in input from the biologists guys, around the state, sure. and you know, there's there's a handful of us that that are we kind of keep up with that kind of stuff or at least we, we fish enough that it's like,
3: You're in the you know,
2: so we, we every year I'm on part of the, the group that puts out, you know, rank the top 10 lakes in the state right now. Oh wow. Or whatever. And then we turn that into bass. Oh and wow. They go with it from there. But yeah, it's, it's kind of funny because se- several of the people are like sandbagging. They're oh, like, yeah. oh, I'm not putting that lake up there. Like wow. I, I should, but I'm not going to, because wow. I don't want it to be up there right. because you know that a lot of times that's, that's still kind of linked to, the sourness of the downturn at Toledo Bend because yeah. it was number one for like no two doubt. years in a row.
0: Oh, no doubt. I mean, look and at the,
2: it. Just it just breeds pressure, yeah. which I can't say much because I've been to a couple of smallmouth fisheries that, I don't know. It was ranked real high. I was like, I want to go there. I want to yeah. see it. Like yeah. Blacks. N'la- I was just going L- L- to L- say that. I was going to say that. Disappointment. I've been to St. Lawrence River. Yeah. I've been to Erie. It's Saint no gimme. It's
0: not a gimme. Like Ontario. Yeah.
2: All that. Yeah. It's. If I'm gonna travel anywhere, it's gonna be catch a smallmouth.
0: That's awesome, dude. Like that's they're they're just different. If someone was traveling to the state of Texas, I mean, obviously OHIV. Um, outside of OHIV, let's say uh, uh, just a beginner couple who picked up bass fishing over COVID. Hey, let's go travel to, to Dallas Fort. Let's go fly into Dallas Fort Worth, within a four hours drive or four hour radius or so. Um, what lake would you recommend for a big one and then what lake would you recommend for just sheer numbers within a four hours drive of dfw yeah that's uh they, there's a lot within four hours what's your favorite
2: your favorites i i really like to fish lake grapevine grapevine wow just, i mean numbers wise it's a sleeper it's it's yeah. when we go electro fishing yep we'll catch two to three hundred bass in an yep. hour uh which is, is pretty high. Smallmouth, too. There are smallmouth and there are spots in yeah. it. Like What's the biggest uh,
1: smallmouth you've shocked out of that place?
2: Shocked? not, Probably not much over three or four, but
0: um, they're, they're starting to be some upper fours and low fives That's caught. That's good. So grapevine, that's your numbers lake. And for those of you that who flew in for the classic and things, you guys literally fly right over Grapevine if you're taking off from yeah. DFW, right I mean, it's right there so to the, the north. Bass south, pros south wind. You, yeah. you fly over the Bass dam. Bass Pros, right there, yeah. 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 I actually took out a couple of the NASCAR drivers because uh, Texas Motor Speedway is literally yep. right adjacent to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I took out a couple guys there, and they're actually impressed. We did catch a couple of fish on just spinner bait just on the dam. I mean, they if you could catch fish on a dam in, in, in Texas, you're going to catch them all over the lake pretty yeah, much. Yeah, so. that
2: lake is loaded with fish and bass. Yep. And it, it fluctuates a lot, yep. but it's got a lot of rocky habitat yep. and rocks are rocks, whether they're high and dry or wet. So that, and then, that, it, it it's handles those fluctuations really well.
0: Uh, and then to go catch a big one.
2: Probably Fork. Fork, yeah. I mean, yep. it's close. And Fork's cool. It's, it's unlike many lakes in the state it's it's a i mean you you guys have been there a lot it's a it's a it's a fishing lake mm-hmm. like all the all the lodging yep. um, you know restaurants yep. it, it caters to fishermen yep. like it is a place to go where
0: you know you got everything you need there's boat parking there's i heard there's like 990 registered guides on that lake or in that wow. in that county or whatever it is and I that's wouldn't everything it. that's bass that's crappie that's catfish and everything but that is a lot yeah i mean if you ever been to lake fork in march or april i mean it is like it's hard to even find a place to fish i mean every point every gut every ledge has got a is a bass boat on it but the thing about Lake Fork is it continues to produce. Like it doesn't matter how many fish fishermen are on it casting away, the big ones still bite. I mean that is truly a, a, a unbelievable fishery, and you know a lot of people to ask a guy like Lee Livesey would probably say it's it's as good as it, as good as it is because of Texas Parks and Wildlife and the conservation that you guys, kind of all the efforts that you guys implement for that lake.
1: So, uh, I got a question then. Uh, we all know we've established Texas parks and wildlife does their job and does it really well. But when you go out of the state of Texas, you hear about like some other things, even on, in the States that you would think also have a pretty good uh, parks and wildlife program. One of them is Florida. And one of the big topics of late last few years is spraying grass. Um, do you, do you know how that all works? Like how those contracts work? Are, are you, is a Parks and Wildlife involved in a situation like that? And and what's the deal behind it? Why are they doing it? And and what's the truth behind that?
2: Yeah. So, here in Texas, Parks and Wildlife is, it, it's up to the controlling authority for that particular reservoir, of the the vegetation management. So, so if it's a Corps of Engineers lake, it could be the Corps. It could be of a city that that's their water supply. It, it, there's, there's many different, uh, controlling authorities for all the lakes all over. Texas. So
1: you guys have no involvement. It's a person who handles the water rights. It, so much.
2: they're, they're responsible for it. We work with them, uh, in developing a, a, a treatment plan or a management plan or something. Mm-hmm. And then we have our own, uh, aquatic habitat enhancement, team that's based at at the hatchery at rayburn Mm -hmm. john d parker east texas fish hatchery and they um they have airboats tanks spray crew they have a spray crew that will treat vegetation
1: so you have you guys handled the contract here in texas
2: so there's a couple species that we use a secondary contractor Mm -hmm. but if it's like like hydrilla the only hydrilla that's treated in Texas now is done by our in-house folks. Oh, wow! wow. So, yeah.
1: but that's not the case in other states, like a Florida, right? Don't they yeah, just have? I,
2: I don't know exactly how how the the dynamics work in Florida. I will tell you one thing: Florida's lakes are very different than ours, and that ours are are man-made, our are yeah. reservoirs. So we have depth refuge. You know, grass isn't going to grow past where the sun hits. The, the substrate so you might it might grow out to 20 feet but it's not going to grow in 21 or 22 because right. the sunlight right mm-hmm. florida's natural lakes they don't have a lot of places they don't have that depth refuge to where well it won't grow there because the sun isn't going to hit the bottom it may right. be shallow enough that the sun's getting everywhere right so in florida you can actually have you know 100 coverage of some of these lakes and that's that's bad yeah because one the access you can't yeah can't get a boat off a trailer yeah. or whatever or you know just the the foraging efficiency of the fish of the bass gets really bad because they can't find food because the right. food's buried up in the grass sure so it's it's there's a fine line of of yes some plants are good but there is
0: that point at which it becomes bad yeah to have too many we call it choked out. I mean, that, oh yeah, hey, check that. You know, John Cruz had asked me, "Oh, did you check? Did you check that cove or that area to the north?" I'm like, "Oh, dude, choked out." You know, it's yeah. like it's not to say that there there aren't fish there, and there there's there aren't shad and bluegill and crawdads there. It's just choked out, just too much. Like, yeah. What are you gonna like? How what? What, are, you what are the
1: effects of what y'all spray? Like honestly, like do you know? Like okay, we're gonna spray, and there are going to be pros, but we know that there are also cons that we have to deal with when we do this.
2: Yeah. The 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 biggest thing is the EPA regulates what you can and can't spray.
1: I don't trust the EPA at all. I'm I, a conspiracy theorist when okay. it comes to the EPA. I
2: I, I allow you that freedom. <laughs> I I I don't have that same opinion, but it's okay. okay. Um <laughs> they they regulate all of that. So it it it, we can only spray things that are approved for use in aquatic systems mm-hmm. and at rates. So it's, it's a, a, a dilution. Sure. It has to be that. And, and the reason is because those things have been tested that they won't kill fish. At that concentration, have you a, have
1: you ever seen like you've done it the right way, and there has been some fish kill that should not have occurred?
2: I, no, personally, but I haven't treated much vegetation because, as I told where you, where I, where I yeah. work, yeah, yeah. I, I I lack vegetation in general. Right. But yeah. the 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 thing to remember too is a lot of times what can happen in those situations is the chemical didn't kill the fish; you just killed all the plants, the habitat, uh-huh. and when that plant is dying it's using oxygen so you you get what's called there's a biological oxygen demand and especially at night during the day things are photosynthesizing so oxygen that's creating oxygen at night nothing is photosynthesizing and everything is using oxygen including the wow just
0: sucking oxygen so it it
2: just crashes the oxygen wow and so that's where you run into you, you get a fish kill from an oxygen depletion, right? Not of the, the not the chemical plant
0: matter, right? Okay.
2: So it's a different mechanism, but wow. it can result in, and and that's why we we advise people, like especially private landowners that maybe have a a two acre stock tank or something, like if it's hundred percent covered, I would treat half of it, wait a month, treat the other half, hmm. just so you don't have that crash of oxygen all at once.
0: Hmm. But interesting,
2: you know, if you're talking about a thirty thousand acre reservoir. Uh, you know, the amount of stuff they're spraying. Yeah. It's pretty small as a percentage of, of surface area.
1: You deal. uh, So up here in North Texas, we don't have a lot of vegetation, but what we do have are a lot of people with like wakeboard boats and big boats and stuff, yachts and stuff like that. Um, What's uh, the effect of the erosion? Like, are do you see a a big effect of those boats on these lakes around here?
3: Yeah.
2: I, I, I think as that, it seemed to have blown up around COVID too, where that the, the surfing, wake surfing, has gotten Yo, really big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All over Instagram, and it's Ugh. it. It comes a point I'm I'm c- concerned. I don't know, concerns the right word, but I I I think there will be these controlling authorities will have their hands forced a little bit in potentially regulating wakes because yeah. yes you you get a the lot of shoreline bad. shoreline erosion oh yeah and and the the way to combat that a lot of these uh, lakes are in up bulkheaded. so there's a, a seawall mm-hmm. and from a, a fish production perspective that's not good because we we like that gentle slope from the shore that that's your that's Natural your spawning slope, habitat right, that's right. your that's your that's called the littoral zone uh-huh. of a lake and that's that's where most of your production
0: littoral, happens. as in like lateral zone.
2: Uh L I T T O oh, R A L. Gotcha. Yep. And so that is a very critical part of the lake. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> on my nose. Hey, hey Chris, go
1: shut that door so no so no more fly in here. Yeah, I don't know He's where about it came to nail from. it.
0: Got him. No. Thanks, Guggenhat. No, oh, I did I... Oh, you almost had him. Right.
1: This is our first fly and we have been some places.
2: That's funny.
1: Yeah, when it's fifty degrees outside.
2: Who knew? Yeah. Oh, Stupid fly. The um back to your point about spraying. The 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 I haven't seen it cause fish kills as much, but you know, there are two different types of herbicides. You have a contact herbicide and a systemic herbicide. Contact only kills what it touches on the leaf or the stem or whatever. Okay. A systemic herbicide is actually taken up into the vascular system of the plant hmm. and it kills it basically from the inside out and so depending on which type of herbicide is used um, we can kind of tailor the the treatment to different types of things but a lot of what is getting sprayed is giant salvinia and uh, Hyacin. water hyacinth yeah and those they're using a contact herbicide
0: this is legit sp- it's a spray yep. right yep. Yeah.
2: And so, a lot of times, there is some overspray that may hit a a, a non desired plant, and you end up with some, they call it whatever, right? Uh, you know, friendly fire, right? But um, we've we've really look and looked a lot lately at changing up that and the and the instructions given to those. So the contractors are spraying salvinia and So soil.
1: when you spray, right? Does that water can move though? Right? Like. Or is it pretty, like if you spray a section, it pretty much just stays in that section.
2: The, the, what they're spraying now are mostly, are mats. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: So they've topped out.
2: Right. And they're, they, they, they're pretty densely held together. And so they're not, if they see one random piece here and there mixed in with some other stuff that we're not concerned with, they're not spraying it. Okay. So they're kind of focusing more now just on the the uh the the true mats
1: right and uh, big mats um back on the the wake and erosion so outside of the the bulkheads and stuff are there other things that are occurring that are really hampering what you guys try to do on the sports fishing side
2: no i mean not that i would say a whole lot i mean obviously the
1: just more destruction
2: yeah and and anytime you have that shoreline eroding. Right. you know you're introducing turbidity into the water through the 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 actual dirt that is being taken into the lake now that used to be on land oh, and yeah. is getting
0: pulled into the lake through that wake action
1: Interesting I never thought about that
0: A lot of selting happens you yeah. know and oh yeah it's that's especially on those clay banks oh that's terrible
2: Yeah and you I mean you you've seen it I mean you see a, 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 even just a a small boat wake when yeah. it hits the the shoreline mm-hmm. you see the that crumbles away yep and it and it just kind of yeah it swirls into the lake as it comes off the the shore yeah. Mm-hmm. but yeah I, I i could see those those boats being
1: something per minute something or that or something. that
2: eventually will, will be you know regulated yeah. potentially just because it
1: How could you even regulate that though just the number of them on a lake at a time or
2: I, that's a good question. I I don't know. I, yeah, I would think maybe a certain number, but maybe, I don't know. Can't really measure how high the wake is, but maybe some, something along those lines. Yeah. I I don't know. But yeah, I mean, you know, instead of
1: a mile per hour zone, you've got a two foot max wake, you can push out the back. Yeah.
2: And you know, they're, they're, they're ballast tanks on those Mm -hmm, boats. So they can, you can, I've seen some of those what are they like two hundred thousand dollars oh, oh yeah. my gosh! incredibly Stupid. expensive yeah uh-huh. but they have like you know like your your truck seat you got a memory like you can set a memory for well trait likes her wake yeah. like this yeah. and it pulls this much in and chris likes his like this yeah. and then you just hit a button and now you have your wake and you have your wake that and is it's nuts. just like yeah, it, it is wild. Terrible.
0: That's terrible. It's crazy. So I know uh, this varies from state to state, and, and I'm not looking for legal advice here, but can you clear the air? Because a lot of—I hear from some fishermen, oh, it's legal. Some fishermen, oh, dude, that's illegal. You should be disqualified. But is it legal to plant brush? Is it legal to cut down a tree on a on a you public done body, body of water <laughs> and— and place it on your favorite underwater point, you know, hoping a bass would live on it the next week in a tournament. Yeah.
2: So I don't know about nationally, but in Texas, uh-huh. the the placement of habitat uh-huh. is regulated by the controlling authority. Okay. So if you're, which isn't you, fisherman. So if you're at <laughs> if you're at Lake Fork, that's the the um, SRA. Right. If you're at Louisville, that's the Corps of Engineers.
0: Okay, you need their permission it, to drop it, brush, right? right. And okay. and
2: and we do habitat projects where we Sh- drop stuff. Sure, we also have to get their permission. Wow! So it's not so, willy nilly. You can't just go drop stuff wherever so, you want, wow. unless you do it at night and nobody catches you. So, so no, when yeah. so
1: when Chris is dropping his brush piles, what happens if he gets busted? What's that process? Do do you ever hear of that?
2: I don't. No, I don't know. I I'm not sure what would happen, but. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it. Uh, I. I doubt they would. I don't know.
0: I don't know what they'd do. I dropped a few and a couple of lakes around here, but you know what's crazy? And you know this because you guys also plant uh, fish habitat. And there's a lot of states that plant fish habitat, but it's it. A lot of times, they don't hold fish, and I don't know why that is. There's a lot of brush pile guys that that fish brush piles and drop brush pile piles. Um, for whatever reason they just don't get on some brush piles you would think oh you know it's a long flat with a drop off let's throw a giant tree on it and there's surely going to be a fish there next year next summer when they get offshore and there's some brush piles where they just don't get have you experienced that
2: no i mean really. we, we we use more artificial habitat right pvc yeah yeah and uh and and like mossback the the commercially made habitat structures uh, we just put a bunch in Tube, Lake, Lake and then Worth. PVC, yeah. yeah, we just put a bunch in Lake Worth. Huh. Uh, any we're at, we're any at.
1: on it, anything I suggested?
2: Um Do you remember? I don't recall. <laughs>
1: it's been a it's been a few months.
2: We we did some Georgia structures too, which are the PVCs that have um their their cubes essentially, okay. or they're rectangles. Right. But um, you know, we, we've sunk a bunch of those. We put some of those in Marine Creek. Um yeah, we, we used that. we did some in Louisville. Uh-huh. And I mean anything that we plant is public knowledge. Like we yeah. put GB, yeah. GPS right. coordinates you want people out, well, or right? Fish it's, them, right. It's, yeah. They're 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 fish attractors. Attractors. We, we don't necessarily right. like, as we talked about earlier, with carrying capacity. Just because mm-hmm. you put more habitat in the lake doesn't Does necessarily mean that you're going to have more fish. Right. It just make position the fish right in a place yeah. where it's easier for an angler to catch them. Right. Which I'm sure you can relate to, too. Essentially, (laughs) what
0: you're doing is, you know, you don't want a single fish to come up and just hang out on that tree. That's not going to happen. Essentially, what you want is over time, over month's time, the algae grows on it, in turn brings, you know, crawdads and habitat for the crawfish and, you know, the shad and things like that. And then all of a sudden, hey, misses eight pounder, misses nine pounder. Hey, that's going to be my new hangout area through the month of May and June or whatever it is when I get offshore. But... Um, in my experiences, just because you located a brush pile or dropped a brush pile does not mean that there's going to be a bass on it. It is not a surefire thing. What does help though is forward-facing sonar. Obviously you see some of these guys from the Carolinas that are just great at it. They'll drop the troll mode in the water and just kind of point it over there and no, there's a brush pile, zero bass in it. Not, Don't even make a cast and just move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Like how do you compete with that brush pile and stuff, man? It's just so much anxiety when i think about that when we go to brush pile tournaments it's like dude there's guys who are really really good at it and i'm definitely not one of them
2: yeah i i'm terrible at it yeah myself yeah
0: and you have all the coordinates
2: <laughs> for I, I, I can catch them off <laughs> the georgia structures right, right. Yeah, yeah i i have four facing sonar on my boat and i i found some at at marine creek the yeah. ones we sunk and i ooh i didn't know you i i had uh, just looked at the one pile and i dropped a drop shot in there and i caught a fish on the next cast oh that's cool that was that was
0: pretty fun like just be able to kind of call your shot a little bit so to yeah as we're winding down here tom i i mean wh- what what is the most rewarding part of your job i mean i would have to imagine that right there what you just said is probably one of them i mean
2: yeah, I I really enjoy the outreach stuff too. Where yeah. we we do we'll do career days. Uh-huh. So I'll take a cooler full of fresh dead fish to a, a elementary school oh. and show the kids different species of fish that you wow. can find around here. And That's cool. I, I I didn't know this was a job when I was. I didn't really know this was a job until I was about in college. Really, honestly. But I always loved to fish as a kid, and I loved science. So uh-huh. I kind of was like, I don't know, I'm going to do something along the biological side like sure. maybe a vet or whatever my sister's a dentist so oh, i guess wow. I, I didn't want to play with people's in people's mouths i want to play in people in fish's mouths. but yeah. um, the <laughs> uh it it's a lot of fun just that that outreach getting to make that connection with especially kids because mm-hmm. You know we'll ask them how many of you like to fish, and I'm, oh, yeah, and yeah at, at yeah. the end, do you have any questions? Well, one time I caught one of those, or one yeah, of, you know, it's that's, like, that's so not cool. really a question. What but. would you bring? Uh, uh
0: bluegill, white bass, Her-
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, any everything, yeah, like buffalo, carp,
0: oh, yeah, those channel cat, ugly, blue man. cat,
2: yeah. flatheads, yeah, largemouth. We'd catch it usually spotted, so I could show them the difference between Spot spotted and largemouth. Large Very and cool. I mean, any then the shad, which you know, for a kid, that's. We, we would call them the potato chips of the lake because they're, they're everywhere <laughs> sure. and all the just... other fish like to eat them. And, you know, just <laughs> that kind of stuff is really fun. But, um, and then we, we, we do some fishing events like where we'll around a trout stocking or something, we may have a group out and, mm-hmm. you know, show them how to do it and just. I- Teach them about fish and general. The cool
0: thing that the state puts on is that free fishing day. I don't know if it's twice a year or once a it's, year.
2: It's the first Saturday in June. First Saturday of June, yeah, free
0: fishing day. And that's really cool. The participation Texas yeah. Parks and Wildlife, matter of fact, has an Instagram page that I follow, and they blast it, and they're constantly, you know, uh, posting photos and videos of, of of Texas wildlife. It's really cool. Um, mm-hmm.
1: I got I got a couple more questions that were sent to me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Since. everyone knew there was a biologist coming. Uh, One came from, they asked to remain anonymous, but they actually run uh, the pro staff for probably one of the top three biggest companies in the industry. And they would like to know, is it bad to rake your leaves into the lake?
2: So that is, um, it depends, like it can be, like with oak trees especially, there's a lot of uh, acidity mm-hmm. in there and it, so you can kind of alter the the water chemistry just a little bit but it, it'd take a lot of leaves
3: to so really to something. really yeah
2: and and it, so in aquatic systems there's what's called alocthanous and autocthanous uh, nutrients which alocthanous is is stuff from outside so those those leaves would be considered a, yeah, yeah. an, an alocthanous input of of nutrients into the lake but it's i wouldn't say it's not gonna it's not gonna hurt much if you
0: put your leaves in the lake then you go up to champlain and you got the the Loch Ness monster (laughs) Uh, right full of jokes today are we
1: i got another one uh this comes by way of of someone uh that helps us good friend, uh super smart dude he wants to know can you transport fish from a body of a water to your own body of water your personal ponds or
2: so the 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 quick answer is yes you can several conditions one obviously the the if you caught them from a public body of water they have to be of legal size and quantity so Mm -hmm. bag limit size limit Mm -hmm. and then you could only take them to private water. You can't take them from one public lake to another public
3: lake hmm. Interesting. without
2: having a stocking permit.
1: And what and what's the thought process behind that? Just it would introduce it
2: could potentially introduce a species of fish to a lake we didn't want them in. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the the other stipulation that made it much harder is the clean drain dry. Now that we have zebra mussels, so. If you were to haul them, you can't take them in the water from the lake where they were caught. You would have to have well water, wow, city treated water. Um, that, sorry, city water that is treated to remove the chlorine. Mm-hmm. Um, which, when we haul fish, actually we usually just use tap water, and then treat it really because it's then we don't have to worry about because we're right below the dam on Lake Worth. Mm-hmm. We have raw water that we can get out of Lake Worth, but Lake Worth has had yeah. zebra mussels mm-hmm. in it, and so we have to be very careful. Obviously, we clean all our equipment, every net, every boat, trailer, everything. We have a heated pressure washer that we, as soon as we get off of the lake, even whether it's infested or not, just we treat them all the same, hmm. and that way we we know we're not taking yeah. this from there and taking it. Are
1: together. we uh, out of the woods yet on the zebra mussel issue here?
2: N- no, I mean it. It's The impacts are far less here than they have been in other places. And I think the main reason is most of our – our systems are incredibly productive, and our fish grow fast. They have a longer growing season. Like you were talking about those smallmouth. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we – it takes them a long time, but they're also under ice for a good bit of the year. And so, you know, they're they're just less – Less harassed, also, but the um, you know, our systems are shad based, so they're we catch so many shad in pretty much all our lakes like thousands an hour.
3: Wow. Like,
2: it it would probably blow most people's minds how many shad how, and, and just how many fish are in most lakes, yeah, because they're like, they need to stock this lake. I'm like.
0: Everywhere you if go you in Texas, there's fish underneath the water, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and
2: as a bass angler myself, I, I'll fish an area and I won't get a bite, and I know if I went through there with the shocking boat, there'd be probably yeah. 10, like 10 or 15 fish, yep. and it just drives me crazy. But, you know, just get, like, like the forward-facing sonar, just because you can see them doesn't mean they're going to bite. Nope. So, I mean, it's another tool, yep. but it it doesn't necessarily guarantee anything. But, yeah, it's it's pretty... It's interesting, and it'll it it'll be neat to see how that kind of shakes out. Oh yeah, because it, it it's like everything that it's it'll level off yeah. at some point.
1: Are y'all concerned? You know, you hear some of these guys on YouTube saying it's gonna run everything. Uh, are you concerned with what you're seeing with it, like and, and what people are able to catch and taking and?
2: Not necessarily. I mean, it, it's it's been a hot issue in the crappie world. Because it, it, it does allow an angler to target a larger crappie. Yeah. So, you know, your, crappie has such boom and bust reproductive cycles that... Year to you year. You may have yeah. a bad year in crappie, but then the next year may be so good that it erases. They're, they're notorious for having boom-bust
3: really? cycles. Really? So
0: then their lifespan probably isn't as great. Oh, no.
2: Like an old crappie is probably five or six. Really?
0: I mean they're so ten inches is another So it's like a shad limit. then, like you one year you got just l- shad loaded in a lake and then okay. Yeah,
2: yeah. And I mean, you know, we, we manage crappie to ten inches. 10. that's the lead yeah. length limit. It's usually about two years to get wow. to ten inches. Wow. So it they grow fast. Hmm. And that's why if you if you have a bad year next year can totally sure make up for it.
1: Wow. Interesting. I didn't know that. I had huh. no clue about that either.
2: Yeah, and that's—I mean—I know this has mostly been talking about bass because that's what y'all fish for the most. Yeah. But we we manage more than just the bass. Bass, right? Like, we we're, manage crappie, we're crappie crop, we're people. Yeah.
0: Are you a fan of the striped bass? Not fishing, but fan of the striped bass. Um, I, and where I'm going with that is they are very destructive on lakes, right? I mean, or can be, can be. Yeah. We so we stock hybrids. Okay.
2: Um, which is a it so there's two different. Crosses one is is the male white bass and a female striped bass, and then the reciprocal cross where it's a female huh. striped bass and a male white bass. Wow! And they have different names, and we we've actually just started experimenting with them a little bit to look at growth and catchability to see if there's any difference. Huh. So stripers, take some of they work. You know, there's some in Tawakoni mm-hmm. and some other lakes in Texas, Brazos River systems mainly, but. We we can't really use them in in my district because uh, they'll summer kill. It will gets so hot, oh well, they'll die. Whereas that's when you mix it with a white bass, they're a lot more tolerant, sure, of the the heat. So that's why we're able. That's why we use more hybrids. Hmm. But they um, we stock Louisville, Benbrook, and Ray Hubbard. Hubbard with and PK's hybrids.
0: got them. So or that that stripers. has stripers. stripers. Yeah.
2: And that so our, our district office in Wichita Falls actually manages PK. They there's weird lines around this area, but
0: I asked because some of the Western Lakes I fish, I mean it, it really it, it really alters the behavior of your typical by the book largemouth bass where you get these big five, six, seven pound largemouth who are supposed to be hanging out in the in the shoreline brush and overhanging trees. And now they're out hanging out underneath stripers and just swimming their tails off just to hang around the, you know, the shad and where all the activity is at and things mm. like that. We've seen a lot of that out, out west. And, yeah. you know, guys like Aaron Martins, you know, he would just absolutely despise the, the striped bass. Oh, they're ruining the lake, they're ruining the lake, they're eating everything, they're, these, these bass are getting skinny and they're having to venture out in the middle of the lake just to compete and, and such. and. Um, that's, you know, that's, that's why I asked that, but I don't yeah. think I've encountered a single fishery in Texas where that's been an issue. I don't think yeah.
2: it's a problem here as much just because California, they have the, they call them two, two story fisheries where you have the, that water temperature stat stratification stratification uh-huh. where right. the lower layer in Texas is anoxic. It doesn't have any oxygen. So you don't have
0: any fish what depth zone are we talking about there it Depends. varies yeah.
2: yeah uh lewisville it'll get uh in the hot summer uh probably 30 35 feet
0: anoxic you said right anoxic 35 feet of water so yeah nothing so anything there. deeper Zero. than that there's no oxygen no life
2: right and so
1: Interesting. how do how, i got a question do you i always have wondered this how do i figure that out is it I had a guy I was in the boat with earlier this year try and show me on his graph, but I thought he was full of it. Thermocline, you can yeah the you thermocline. Can, you can
2: see it on a on a two D sonar sometimes. It's
1: just that hard. I mean that I, maybe he was right.
0: It was... You, you can see the, it the thermocline. Yeah, I don't that, that's yeah. different than oxygen level. So th- that's what it, thermocline
2: is is just strictly a stratification of temperature. Tem- temperature, right? but in in California you may have a thermocline. Got you. But you still have oxygen in that lower level. Okay, gotcha. Whereas here, you typically don't have any oxygen below the thermocline. Right. So it's it's a it's just a mixing of water. Water is uh, the density of water that varies it. by temperature. By temperature. That's and why so you're able to
0: see that difference on a two D sonar because the return of the sonar is altered, so it shows that line. Were
1: you seeing it on Mojave? Because that's he was trying uh, to show it to me on Mojave. I'm sure. I, I'm sure it was there. But you never saw it. I'm sure it was there. You never saw it.
0: <coughs> I and wasn't. No.
1: Were not you in attention. like sixty foot of water?
0: Yeah, but I didn't. I didn't pay attention to it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That was at the U.S. Open. Yeah. 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 I mean, it it would have been because that's dead that of summer, right? Yeah. Yeah. It would have. You would have seen it. You
0: potentially could have seen it.
2: I just
1: there.
0: There were a couple that were hurting there. Yeah. Yeah. It was.
1: Yeah. Uh, Love the U.S. Open. Love the people who put it on. Uh, loved that they moved it to Mojave. But there was some death of some old girls. It's old. gonna,
0: it's gonna happen whenever you're just hot. Yeah, deep. You know, oh, yeah. deep, yeah. smallest. Yeah, it's, it's just
2: that's the way it is. I mean, you can't. right. Yeah. It's really that's it's very stressful on on the fish. The hotter the water, obviously. But yeah, no, it's um, it, we we don't have those striper interactions. I yeah. wouldn't say here like you might have out there just because they're they're more pelagic out in open water
0: chasing those shad good deal all right man well hey i don't want to take up too much of your time i know we did but as we part here um as you leave the battle uh wagon here uh can you tell the viewers or give the viewers some insight or some advice on just simple fish care? I mean, I know the organizations talk about it all the time and everything, whether you decide to transport fish or you know hang, you know, keep them in a live well for you know seven eight hours a day or whatever. But do you have like the top three uh points to hit as far as advice goes on on fish care? Because I mean, yeah, it's literally what you guys do.
2: Yeah. So the the biggest thing is I would. Constantly change the water yep. in your live well, yep. and then fresh we, water into it. Right, correct. Yeah, and we use we use stock salt that you can buy at any feed store, and that helps de-stress the fish.
0: Stock salt.
2: Yeah, it's hmm. so you're actually making the water just a tiny bit salty, huh. and that just helps with their osmoregulation. They don't have to work as hard. It, it's Is a lot, it, a lot of your live well additives. I was going to say. Have salt, has salt in, it. in it. Okay. Gotcha. It, and among other
0: it's things. It's just cool and blue. Yeah, right. Yeah. Among other things. Okay. And
2: those other things are generally proprietary. Gotcha. And they, they, some, it, we don't use any additive other than salt. Okay. Just plain and simple. Is it like table
0: salt? No, it's, no. it's uniodized. St- st- so uniodized so it's, stock it's, salt. It's
2: stock salt for like livestock.
0: Okay. Gotcha. That salt kind licks. of stock. Gotcha. It's,
2: it's granular. Okay and you can get it at any feed store.
1: Is how much do you put in there? Do you know off the top of your head? I low? think
2: it's like a quarter. I think you want like a quarter part per million, something like that. It's not it's not a lot. Not a lot. And then the the third thing would be to to ice Ice. Uh, In the heat. Yeah, sure. You know, uh, I would, uh, and not more than 10 degrees below what the lake temperature is. Lake temperature, okay. so if you're in the the hot summer and and you can use any number of systems, like some people freak out and they won't put like commercially bought ice right straight in there because they don't think all the chlorine. Chlorine, right, yeah. The chlorine that's in that ice is so minimal, like we don't worry about that. We're more concerned about the temperature. Right. And and then like uh, some people will freeze water bottles, mm-hmm. and then you know you you basically got just a big ice pack, a good way which to those work good too. Yeah. But um, you know you want to you want to keep that. You don't want to go more than ten degrees below what the lake temperature is. Gotcha. So when we when we would do those tanks for Toyota Texas Bass Classic or the Bass Fest, those Tundra tanks in the back, we would we would ice them down before y'all got in. Yep, right. Okay, and then monitor, you know, we had water quality meters on them. So we have, and we, we had straight oxygen on them too. So, Perfect. um, huh. you know, that, that helps a lot, but then, yeah, we would hold them there and then, you know, if they needed to be fizzed, we'd fizz them or whatever that's before good. we let them go. But
0: that's good advice. Well, good, man. Well, we appreciate you. Uh,
2: no,
1: I got one more question. Do you? Yeah. We haven't talked batteries. Do you guys use lithium batteries for anything?
2: We don't, yeah, no. There's no, we, need. we don't. We don't use a lot of battery power. We have a generator, oh. in the boat, so we we, we welcome we, to Texas. We use gas and make yeah. our own electricity. Welcome to Texas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we we and then actually the the generator is on a it it's recharging the batteries that we do use. So it's like a,
1: a little system, a little
2: self contained kind of thing. But I like it. No, yeah, it it uh, they're the the lithiums are they've come a long way. Yeah, and yeah, and definitely uh you know there's a lot of advantages to them i'm sure
0: yeah i'm sure we could one of these days we should get together and come up with some type of portable lithium battery powered you know tank you know for if you need something to bind or if you're way out in the sticks you can't get to it with a truck or whatever it might be we could probably come up with some kind of cool uh battleborne driven aeration system yeah that'd be pretty cool that would be cool so, All right, so for the viewers, uh, as we wrap up here, uh, when they fly in a DFW and they go and fish some of the lakes around here, they get a hold of that 8-pounder. What's the name of the app or the website that they could kind of register their their 8-pound yeah. share lunker? It's a uh,
2: Texas share lunker, uh-huh. and the, there's a website. Uh, there's also an app that uh, you can download for your phone, uh-huh. and it shows uh, pretty much step-by-step step what – There's three photos Mm -hmm. that we typically ask for from the anglers for a submission. One would be a length photo with the mouth closed, tail pinched on a rigid board, not that swim bait uh, board that's flat. Oh, man, that thing is – it it makes our job a little more difficult because you can't tell if the the bump, it's already up against the – there's no bump board on that and all that stuff. So a a rigid measuring board where you – that's at least 24 inches because that's the minimum length to be included – or a, a weight photo on a scale where you can see the whole fish. Okay. And a lot of times, if you're by yourself, I know it's hard to get. You can't take a selfie with, with your the giant. Yeah, arrow. right. So what we would recommend in that situation is to to use a video. Mm-hmm. Take it, just a short video of you showing the whole fish, panning around the whole thing. Very and cool. then you can attach that later because you'll get a thing. Well, that picture wasn't. Exactly what we needed. Do you have anything else? Oh, yeah, just get a video. So when in doubt, get a video.
0: Okay. Okay, and then also a lot of my friends are going to OHIV this off season. Let's say they catch a 13 and a half or a 14-pounder at 5 p.m. on a Sunday. Uh, what would you recommend them doing if they wanted to submit it? So I'd have to look up the phone number. Okay, but or they can look it up. There, there's yeah. a
2: phone number on, yeah. on, uh, on our Sherry Lunker website okay. that – that goes to uh, our share lunker coordinator, Natalie Goldstrom, in uh-huh. Athens. Okay. And it... Uh,
0: and she'll dispatch will she'll, she'll
2: ring. It'll ring her. She'll answer the phone. And uh, there's a couple of holding stations at Ivy because of the prevalence of those fish now. Okay, good to know. But our, our San Angelo district office is, I think they may be an hour away. Okay. They're pretty close. They got a lot of miles on their trucks last year going to get those fish. So <laughs> they, they would help they help. But we, we have around the state we have a share Lunker rapid response team that, you know, involves either our hatchery folks who may be close to this lake or that lake or you know, we we've we've figured out a way to get those fish in our possession and out of somebody's little live well quick as fast as possible to, cool. to take the best care of that fish. Cool.
0: All right, well there you go. You catch a big one, you call the number to look it up, download the app, and uh, heck, maybe if you catch one in the DFW area, uh, Tom will come out. I am very well might. I'm yeah, I'm on the committee. Yeah, get some fin clips and uh, and and gather those uh, those genes and recreate those those giant uh, share lunker size fish. So just a really cool, um, very very cool program that you guys run. You know, by the state, funded by the funded by the anglers and yeah. your and your uh fishing license sales. So for sure. Really appreciate it, dude. Thanks for yeah. thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks and, for uh, having the me. Next time next yeah. time we hang out, we'll probably be on the front deck of a bass boat. So that, that sounds good. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. You bet.
1: And we're out.